Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello again and welcome back to yet another Forza Italian football podcast. It feels like I never leave this seat and it feels like I never stop looking at Kev Pogzelski and Vito Doria. But truth be told, that's probably because I never do stop looking at that photo of Vito, or not of Vito, of, of Kev alongside Sergio Ramos. But we'll have to do one for Vito alongside Luis Muriel as well, particularly if we can get a little <laughs> dancing. Anyway, um, I'm Connor Clancy. Enough of me rambling on. I'll introduce the boys. You've heard him laugh already, so I'll go to Vito Doria. Hello. Hi, Connor. It'd be quite amusing once the memes of Lewis Muriel and meme online. I wonder how that will trend. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If, if I catch a moment of inspiration during this recording, I might take a sneaky little screenshot of you and then it'll take off from there. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Kev, how are you? I'm not bad. You missed your uh, moment of inspiration this week because uh, Muriel was scoring against Vito Zerio Sampdoria and gave it the uh, the arms up because he didn't want to celebrate. And that obviously was exactly what uh, Vito would do if he was pulling on an Atalanta shirt. Don't you worry, Kev. I knew I know the Lewis Muriel picture I'll be using for the comparison. <laughs> I just need to get the right one of Mr. Doria, and then we're all set. Um, yeah, so we, we will talk, which actually that game was, was branded by one of our listeners in a response to nothing. Was it a response to that? Yeah, it was a response to our website account at Serie FFC, which was the, the Derby Dell podcast when we posted the team news from that game, which I quite liked. Um, but anyway, we're not going to start there. We're going to start with what was undoubtedly the biggest game. What? A tasty fixture. Um, well, we're not going to that one yet. We're going to what was undoubtedly the biggest game 
of this Serie A game week. Of course, we are talking about Fiorentina and El Cagliari. Nil. We're not. We're we're talking about that game in Milan where Juventus took a two 0 lead and everything seemed rosy for the soon to be Serie A champions for the nineteenth time in a row or something like that. But they did what they don't. And Kev, Juve managed to throw away a two goal lead against this AC Milan and lose four two. Um, am I the only one that was a bit confused? Um, well, no, you weren't the only one confused. Um, let's face it, the first half just looked like it was going to be a repeat of the, the Coppa Italia semi, just sort of both sides just kind of playing out a draw. And then it sort of sparked into life in the second half. Um, and only only in hindsight, really, it was the celebrations after Ronaldo had put Juventus 2-0 uh, up where it, it looked like, given that Lazio had, had lost earlier in the day, they were almost celebrating the title. It was very weird, you know, just looking at the, the, the players' faces, the way they were celebrating, the way the subs ran down the line um, to congratulate Ronaldo. It looked as though um, they were sort of celebrating the title. It was almost their coronation. And then suddenly Milan come back and, and have a, a similar uh, sort of period of, of dominance like they had at the end of the game against Roma a week ago, whatever week it is we're on now. Um, and, and, you, and you just wondered, you put those two together, Juventus thinking the game's out of sight, the league's out of sight, and then Milan finding that strength that they found collectively as a team, because I don't think there was any um, standout performer necessarily. We were talking before we came on air about that. And, you know, those two mixed together um, sort of brought us this, this relatively unexpected um, turnaround. Yeah, it was quite an unexpected turnaround, wasn't it? Because, I mean, if it was the other way around, it wouldn't have been. From both perspectives, we've seen Milan throw away a two-goal lead in the derby against Inter already this season. And we've seen Juve similarly turn games on their head in their favour before. Uh, Vito, where did this one go wrong for Juve? Hmm. Uh, I wouldn't really pinpoint one moment on uh, how Juve managed to lose this game, but uh, there are some people that want to blame the um, penalty decision, but uh, I think that's just people on social media looking for excuses, to be honest. More than anything, I believe uh, if Juve don't have the best defence, I think they can be vulnerable, and if a team is willing enough to test that defence, um, they can be exposed. Um, more than anything, it's uh, I think the two weak links in this particular game were the centre-backs. So it was Leonardo Bonucci and Daniele Rugani. Bonucci's an experienced player. He's been a fine defender for the last decade or so, but he's always had mistakes in him. And uh, I don't think that can be disguised or masked in any way. Then, unfortunately... There's Daniele Rugani, who's been at Juventus for five years. And you wonder, uh, is this guy going to be warming the bench for his entire career? He has the odd good game, but most of the time when he does play for the Bianconeri, uh, he's prone to errors. And I think with his lack of uh, match experience, I think um, it was there to be exposed. And 
as much as this can be blamed on Sarri and his uh, approach or even other players on the team, I think Bonucci and Rugani's def- defending on the goals um, were a big part for the Bianconeri squandering that lead. Yeah, I, I will be inclined to agree. I think I've even expressed my opinion on Rugani on this podcast a few times. I, I don't think he's a Juventus-level defender, but for the first time, you know, in, in a long time, I found myself sympathising with him and almost trying to make a case for him. And Kev, do you reckon that Juve's problem isn't actually the individuals they have in their defence? It's just the way the defence is. Because Mathis de Ligt has had his struggles as well this season. He looks okay now. Rugani came in and was a disaster. Does... Bonucci beside them have to take a little bit more accountability in that situation if everyone who plays with them struggles. Um, possibly you you know you've you've got to consider they're both quite young. Um, they look you know significantly young for maybe a central defender uh, and not a fullback, and that's maybe where um, Bonucci needs to step in and sort of coax them through games. You know, well you know you you. you uh, obviously we're a huge fan of uh, Alves at Parma but when you you know there's been countless times when I've been at matches and inside the ground you can hear someone who is experienced and very vocal almost positioning the player alongside them through the game now I've, I've not seen enough of, of, of Juve live to see if Benucci does that it's something that I almost again probably unconsciously assume that Chiellini does Um so, so yeah, he, he possibly needs to help them out slightly more. It could obviously be the the change to uh, Sari's more uh, certainly less pragmatic style than what they had under Allegri. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you, and I, I feel the same about that Bonucci and Chiellini situation. I, I've I've always assumed that Chiellini is the one who does that speaking and organising. And you're right to mention Bruno because watching him basically raise Bastoni last season was quite interesting to watch up close and now you see Bastoni I know he's not had the best week but before the last two games he was probably one of Inter's best defenders this season even better than than Godin given how he's struggled to adapt to Italian football but it was interesting Kev that you did mention that Juve might have thought that they won it but Vito Milan were keen to make sure that they hadn't and this is something that reinforces the positivity that, that Milan fans will have quite rightly felt recently. With the exception of that Spal game, they've beaten Lazio. and Well, they, they pumped Lazio. And now they've gone and pumped Juventus as well. I mean, it's, it's looking quite good for them all of a sudden. They, they've had this great confidence since the return of Italian football since the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, it's not easy to pinpoint one factor or two factors, but uh, I think with Pioli as coach, they've got uh, a clearer structure to follow. I think the players are in roles that suit them much better than what they did when they had Giampaolo for the first seven rounds of the season. And I think it's really beneficial when you have players that, have an understanding of what role they need to perform and how they need to perform it. Uh, having Ibrahimovic, uh, we've said a few times that his presence is uh, important 
And I think having him as a reference point is crucial. But uh, I think that's just really filtered through with the rest of the side. I mean, most of the other players were probably performing better than what they have been without him. And uh, it shows that, you know, if they do have a bit of mental strength about them, they can play better football than what they've shown in uh, other games where they haven't uh, performed well. You're not the only one who thinks that Zlatan Ibrahimovic's presence has been of vital importance. I am, of course, referring to the man himself, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Kev, he said, "Um, it's a shame I haven't been here since day one because if I had been, Milan would have won the Scudetto. Can you smell something? <laughs> well, well, think... You know what? Actually, he's not—he's not far off. Shall I? No, shall I, I read out the, tweet, the top? Actually, right, but it's changed because the the round of fixtures hasn't finished by the time oh. I posted that tweet. Shall I read out the top ten from ten to number one in order since Zlatan Ibrahimovic joined Milan? Yes, go ahead. Because I know tenth, it should be tenth place, Fiorentina. Bologna in ninth, Inter in eighth, which is which shows just how far they've fallen this year. Verona seventh, Sassuolo in sixth, Napoli in fifth, Milan in fourth, Lazio third, Juventus are second, and Atalanta would have won the Ibra Scudetto. Thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm kind of not surprised. Um... That Milan are in fourth, but um, I just, you know, supremely talented footballer. But some of this, you've got to wonder what the players think alongside him. There was a tweet a couple of weeks ago, maybe again, it was days ago, um, where he said, God, it was something like God is God and his pupils or something, you know, and it's a picture of him in a training session. And <laughs> I, I think I'd get tired of it. You know, whoever I was, whether I was, you know, a youth team player, um, you know, a Bonaventura, whoever, I think I'd, I'd get tired of it. Do you not think, do you think the players give it any attention though? Because I mean, it's not really Ibra, is it? It's the, the social media stuff is a team. Well, yeah, and I, I suppose it's the thing that you don't know is whether, you know, his, not persona, but his, his personality or his character, he actually laughs with them at some of the stuff he puts on. But, yeah, I don't know. As a spectator, I, I just find it a little a little tiring. And, you know, he, it, it could have been spun more positively to say how the team had been doing, um, you know, since, what, he arrived and post-lockdown. He was, he was laughing with everyone around him, Vito, when he scored the penalty because, of course, he, he stepped up to take it. Milan were, what, 2-0 down at the time and Cristiano Ronaldo was shouting over his shoulder to Chesney. You know him. You know him. Ibra scores, turns back with one of the widest grins you'll ever see and just says, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought that was quite a nice touch from the big man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Zlatan, he can be that kind of character that is divisive in a way, but uh, other times you just got to think that his comments are pretty hilarious. And uh, yeah, well, in particular, about the Scudetto one, I thought it was just, you know, just have a good laugh with it. Don't take it too seriously. And that's really about it. I think Zlatan's one of those 
characters and uh, the way he does things, whether it's just his demeanor or his way of thinking, I think one way or another, it's to sort of generate attention and get some sort of a reaction. So it's never dull moments when Ibra's around. No, it's possible. Pardon? You'd have him at Samp next year, Vito, let's face it. We we can't afford him though. <laughs> we're, too, we're too cheap. Imagine Qualiorella and Zlatan playing the front. You'd need nine Ingolo Cantes behind them, basically. Um, yeah. And that is including the goalkeeper. But it, I mean his post match comments were quite loaded because he came out with all of this. It was the, the nonsense about the Scudetto, but then also he basically confirmed that he's not going to be there next year, um, saying read between the lines, blah bloody blah, blah. Um, yeah, so so Ibra is gone. It looks, and I think I'm quite surprised by that. But back to, to well, I'm not. It's not quite going back to Juve, but I'm going back to Juve to go to Kev because this result was probably more of a factor of the fact that Delict was out and Paladibala was missing as well. For Juve, but one player who did play, who doesn't always impress, was Adrian Rabio. And I mean, he staked the claim for a regular spot in the 11 by nutmegging the world's best left back, Kev. I actually thought uh, nutmeg aside on Hernandez, he actually did quite well because I've not been that impressed with him since he arrived in Turin. Look, but... I've only gone to you to talk about one thing. And it's not Adrian Rabio. Well, Hernandez rushed in. It was oh, I found it amusing anyway because it also the 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 first half had been so poor. It looked like it was going to be one of those goals where it's that good that it decides the game. But if he'd not dived in, Rabio wouldn't have probably uh, proceeded the ten fifteen yards he did before he then continued on after that because he would have been closed down. But yeah, the 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 man can't defend. Uh, all right. Moving on, and I think we're moving on, are we? Yeah, we are moving on to the other game. This game looked like it was going to be the game where Juve all but wrapped up the Scudetto because not too long before this kicked off, Lazio went to Lecce. Yes, Lecce, and they lost 2-1 against a team who we were speaking about not three, four days ago, saying how big the trouble they're in is because they're playing Lazio next and they're in the relegation zone. They won and they missed a penalty as well. We're going to talk to Alistair McKenzie in a moment about this. Look, everyone listening to this podcast, you know what's happened. We know you know what's happened. So we're not going to beat around the bush. Kev, Patrick bit someone in, in the midst of a pandemic, which is requiring people to wear face masks. He bit someone. And we have VAR. I know, and, and, and on the night it was Lecce that looked hungrier for the three points. Oh. <laughs> so, sorry, Can just... we try and do this without any more of those? Uh, yeah, okay. Um, no, it was, it, was, it was funny. Again, I'm enjoying the lockdown for no other reason that my, my beautiful wife is usually sat next to me and even she was there going, did, did, did he? Um, and I'm like, I think he did, unless he was wiping his nose on his sleeve. Um, and then Donati, who played the sort of pantomime villain perfectly, because 
I, I don't know, I've spent a couple of games watching him and he seems to roll around in agony at the slightest of touches. And it was one of those, um, look, miss, look, miss, you know, he's, he's bit me, miss, you know, you know, looking for the bite mark or pinch mark like a child would when you're at school. And it was just, it was just bizarre because there was no real, there was no real coming together with, not that I saw unless, um, other things have picked up that I've not seen subsequently. That there was no real coming together between the two players. He just decided to to, to have a little bit of a nibble on, you know, just below his shoulder. No, I couldn't believe it either because I couldn't spot anything that in like sparked the rage. And I kind of had the same reaction as as you and yours, which was I was sitting in a bar watching this because I planned to go and watch the Juve game, and I was just kind of sitting there and I saw. It happened-ish in the corner where I thought, I stopped what I was saying and I said, he's bitten them. And then everyone looked and everyone was like, no one's going to have bitten someone. But sure enough, he bit someone. It was, I mean, I, I don't genuinely do not know what to say. Vito, are we just going to say it's stupid and that's all we can possibly say? Or is it even more than stupid given the circumstances? Well, given the circumstances, I think it's uh, an act of insanity, to be honest. Not only that, we've witnessed several times throughout uh, the career of Luis Suarez, who has been a great striker in the last decade, but for some reason uh, he likes to channel his uh, inner Hannibal Lecter. And now Patrick's done it. I mean, it's a case of those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it, and my goodness... Uh, Patrick did not learn from Luis Suarez in the right way. And with this COVID-19 outbreak that's happened, you'd think he'd be a bit more cautious. But no, that's just absolute lunacy. And, uh, I mean, uh, Leipzig got to take a good look at themselves and see where does Patrick fit in after this. I mean, do they really want a guy like this at the club? I mean, that's uh, uh, that's despicable. He got quite the uh, punishment as well. I think it's. I was been... going to say four games. He's got off lightly there, hasn't he? Well, he also got a. He also got a ten thousand euro fine, which is probably the most expensive meal he'll ever buy. There we go. Then good. You finished? Do you, do you have any more written down that you? No, no. You sure? <laughs> right. Um, well, Alison McKenzie is on the phone right now, so we'll let's go and talk to him and then we'll move on to something else Alistair um, thank you for joining us on the line again I can't remember when we last spoke but I'm pretty sure it was a a happier more upbeat conversation than we're we're gonna have this time um yeah so you could kind of understand Lazio's loss against Atalanta you know a really exciting team they've had really interesting battles over the last couple of seasons Milan okay a little bit less but but still, they've shown a little bit of form. Lecce, though, this were a team that were in the bottom three coming into kickoff. What happened? <laughs> That's the kind of question I could spend an awful lot of time answering, so I'll try and keep it as brief as I possibly can. But, um, yeah, like you say, the two defeats that came previously against Atalanta and Milan, there were kind of convenient excuses in a way for them in that Atalanta was the first game back. They'd already had a game under their belt as a difficult match, and Lazio did at least manage to go 2-0 up in that game before then conceding three. Milan, they just had so many uh, absences, most notably, obviously, Ciro Immobile and Felipe Casero being suspended up front and not having any strikers left. 
But yeah, I mean, Lecce is just an unforgivable result because this is a team that had lost their last six games in a row and they had selection issues of their own. Lazio had those players, Immobile and Casado, back by this point. They had a strong team out and it really was just the performance um, that has left so many, uh, such a, I, I suppose, got such a strong reaction because it's everything that uh, represents how Lazio have been playing since the break. They're conceding far too many goals. The defence is incredibly weak uh, and they're not scoring nearly enough. Um, they look a complete shadow of the team that were uh, absolutely flying before the break. And probably the best way of summing it up is that they've now lost more games um, in the last five matches since they came back from the break than they had in the entire season before then. So that goes a long way to show you as to why this is happening. There is no obvious answer. Obviously, this team is struggling with injury problems. Um, They've had a hell of a lot of issues with guys who would be starting not being available, but they should still have enough strength and depth uh, and to rotate the team and be able to beat a team like Lecce, who are obviously right down in the relegation zone. Um, and yeah, I think every every element almost of this team is struggling. The goalkeeper, Thomas Tricosha, has been out of form. Defence has conceded 10 goals in five games. Midfield isn't creating enough chances and the strikers aren't picking them away. So I think there has to be an element of uh, the, the, the the mentality of the team has to be questioned. And I think that uh, the momentum that really was, was dragging them through before um, obviously that disappearing has taken a big toll on this team so they really need to turn it around soon because it would be a real shame for all the work that they put in and making such a spectacular season to to end the season in this way if they can't turn around this form would, would leave it on a sour note which I, I don't think they really deserve I probably spent the last 30 seconds there of you speaking um, trying to avoid making a, a bite pun with this next question we've discussed it on the pod a little bit just before i've started to speak to you now um but i mean patrick i don't know how to phrase this question so all i'm gonna say alistair is discuss yeah i mean (laughs) this was one of the most uh excruciating things to watch in a match for quite a long time i mean there is just no explanation no excuse for it it's it's completely mind-blowing that a player can lose their head to the extent that they do something like this. I can't even begin to understand it. Um, and the reaction to it has obviously been quite strong, and he's been handed a four-match ban now, which is the last thing Lazio will need, because, like I already mentioned, the squad depth has been an issue because of all the injuries and suspension problems they've already had, which have left this team really at the bare bones. So to now lose Patrick, who's a very useful, versatile defender for this long, is really going to stretch the resources that Lazio have available to them. Thankfully, Luis Felipe is just coming back from his injury at the right time, so he should be able to slot in. But, I mean, look, it was a ridiculous thing to do, a ridiculous error, but for me, Francesco Acerbi had, had the worst game. He was the, at fault for both goals and was is the most worrying performer defensively for Lazio at the moment because of the drop-off of the level he was at pre-break and post-break is an absolute gaping chasm. Um, but yeah, Patrick, uh, I, I, I don't think he 
deserves quite a lot of the uh, of the flack that he's been getting on the back of this. He's he's come on leaps and bounds over the last year and a half, two years under Inzaghi. He's turned himself into a really useful, versatile ball playing defender in the back three rather than an inconsistent wing back. And he will be able to bounce back from this, I think. So, uh, yeah, although it was an incredibly frustrating thing to do, it was uh, quite symbolic, really, of the complete collapse and head loss that Lazio suffered in that match. All right, Alistair. Um, well, look, I'll put you out of your suffering. I'll, I'll let you go. Thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us and speak to you again soon. Good luck. Right, moving down in the Serie A table then, we've got Juventus top on 75 points, Lazio second on 68. Uh, there's a new team in third. It's Atalanta. And is anyone really surprised? Well, at this stage, no. I mean, Atalanta's momentum has been incredible, whereas... To be honest, since the since January this year, Inter have been slipping. So um, I think a team of Atalanta's uh, quality and attacking intent to capitalise on that slip, I think it's uh, more than fair. Well, they did beat Sam. Kev, you want to speak? Uh... Oh no, no, I, I, I'm not surprised. Um, nine in a row, you know, in in any championship probably is a. Uh... A phenomenal achievement. I have one fear, and it's not necessarily related to the the Syria uh, standings, but that this is arguably the biggest opportunity for Atalanta to possibly lift a Champions League, and I would hate to see them you know, finish second, blow everybody else away, and run out of steam when we come round to this sort of mini tournament in Lisbon. Do you know what though? The last three games they've not played anywhere near their best and they've won. And you've kind of seen that they've not been themselves in the scorelines, right? They've kept three clean sheets. They they haven't necessarily deserved three clean sheets, but it does suggest that something has changed. I don't think there's a risk of burnout if they keep playing the way they're playing because they're not playing like they usually do. I, I do take the point though. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting all of a sudden because, I mean, people are now starting to say that they might win the title, which I obviously don't think they can. Even if they beat Juve at the weekend, there's still a six-point uh, deficit to overturn with Juve having won in Bergamo. So depending on the margin, if Atalanta win by more than two goals or they have to score three away goals or something mad to, to get the head-to-head and the goal difference or whatever then. But the, oh, the fact that we're even having a conversation in, well, I'm, right, July, but after 30 round, 31 rounds of fixtures, about Atalanta winning the title is, is nuts. Oh, yeah. I think it's, um, look, it's rather unrealistic at this stage. Uh, the mathematical possibilities are there, but at this stage, I think it's just giving people false hope. Um, as much as neutrals would love to see Juve's dominance become uh, broken in Serie A, I think it's important to sort of uh, keep your feet on the ground and just let things pan out for what they are. Just let things take their course, and that's pretty much about it. The way Atalanta is going, they did get the impressive wins early on, but uh, when you can mix it up with these kind of low-scoring wins and clean sheets, 
Um, it should signal that at least Atalanta are capable of finishing off the season well. So regardless if they miraculously pull off the title win or finish second, it's still uh, an impressive achievement. So Scudetto is a big shout this year. Maybe next year it's a possibility, but I think for now, third or second is a great achievement in itself. And I think that's more than enough for the Bergamaschi to be proud of. Papu Gomez said after the match that the objective was still to to get their maximum points total, which was delivered in Gasparini's first season at 72 points. They've never bettered it. Before Gasp came in, it was 52 points, and they've got better than that in every single season. So, Kev, this is a team that just keeps raising the bar of what we expect. What is the actual limit for Atalanta next season? Um... It's hard. It's hard to judge when we don't know how this has ended, because you know I touched on the Champions League, and actually I, I try not to get carried away. I know we we joke a little about uh, Atalanta winning the the title this year, but everything within me says that it's not going to happen. Juve can't. You know they they'd need to drop half of the points available to them. Um, you know, realistically, to probably lose the title, you know, lose this position. But then, I keep looking at the fixtures. I keep seeing them have Atalanta up next, and then on the twentieth, they've got Lazio. And if Atalanta turn Juve over, the form they're in in comparison to Lazio, and Lazio were, you know, because Lazio still on their day can defeat Juve. You know, we could be talking about. You know, we could at the end of the season, we could be we could be sitting here with Atalanta as total winners, and then 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 what is the the question of how what can, how can how much, how can they better that next year? Because we'll be saying, you know, likelihood is they're probably finished second, third. You know, what we'd like, I think, what we we'll expect to see over the next couple of years is them to cement themselves within uh, the Champions League place with the. Uh, the ground improvements that they're making, the revenue that it comes from getting out the group stage, um, the exposure that's, that that comes with uh, going into the Champions League and, and fans across Europe, will, well, when they're allowed back into Stadia, will realise how, how quickly you can get to Bergamo by flying into Milan. So there's there's a lot of potential for, for Atalanta to sort of build on the the style of football they have under Gasparini and, and, you know, and the performances they churn out. First things first, if you think I'll be sitting here talking to you if Atalanta wins the Scudetto, you have another thing coming for you. Um, secondly, and the, the more serious point is that, uh, do you know what? can't remember. What? I have no idea what I was about to say. What, what was I about to say? You were stunned by my positivity on any football team. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, as positive as it all is, as uh, and like you're right to say, we do kind of joke about Atalanta winning the league. I think the Juve fixtures come at a terrible time for them, oddly enough, because they've already won nine in a row. You know, if they had just won three in a row, you think, all right, they can get a fourth. To win a tenth game in a row just doesn't seem possible. And I know that so much of what Atalanta have done just didn't seem possible when they've done it. But... To win 10 in a row, to beat Juve, who they've not beaten in Serie A for, I think, like pretty much in my lifetime or something crazy like that. Obviously, they beat them 3 on the Coppa Italia semi-final a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I don't know. It's 
it's going to be a game to watch this weekend. Yeah, I've, I think actually, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to go back on what I said, but I mean, like you say, you've got the nine in a row issue. You've also got the Juventus have just lost. But again, this is just me thinking rule of averages is that Juve won't lose two games on the bounce because they very rarely do. And, you know, Atlanta would be hitting 10 in a row. Yeah, I know what you mean. But I, I, we're kind of falling into the same trap. And if Atlanta have taught us anything in the last four years, it's not to expect things from them because they don't do what you expect. The one game they've lost in Serie A in 2020 against Spal. The team bottom of the table and almost in Serie B already. So you'd never know what you're going to get from them except for that. Either way, it's going to be entertaining. Inter are fourth. They, they drew with Elas Verona. They've, they've had a stinking time. Vito Conte looks like he's just losing everything. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't blame him, to be honest. But, uh, you know, uh, just the way Verona played, I thought that although they had less possession... They looked like they had more urgency in their play. Um, Juric looked like he organised the team a lot better. And uh, to be honest, I felt that uh, the Jalla Blue should have won this game. They had enough chances, especially in the first half, to really add to the score. And they could have won it at the end as well because uh, Samuel Di Carmine, he attempted a cross shot and it looked very close to lobbing Handanovic. So if that went in... I can only imagine what the headlines would have been. So, yeah, I think it's really a point gained for Winter because uh, in some ways they might not have got that point in the first place. Just this Verona team, they keep showing that they're so well organised and uh, uh, they're capable of troubling anyone on their day. And they definitely troubled Inter in this game. Yeah, which showed the table, Kev, of, of how sorry, I would look at it began on the 1st of January. Inter 8. What's going wrong there? Because at the start of the season, they looked quite good. And now, I mean, you look at the re- recent results, it's not a complete disaster, but it very much feels that way. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I, I, I think there was a general slowdown, which we could potentially um, say that's come about because of how hard Conte has the players running. Um, I don't want to really do away too much from Verona's performance because, you know, they, they really were sharper and quicker to everything tonight. But I touched on this after Bologna at the weekend that Inter now look like they're, you know, the players' minds are elsewhere. They're almost, you know, on their holidays. Um we we kind of said that they've got the Europa League to think about, and I, and I think under under a different coach, you know, maybe Mourinho, um, they would look at the points total and they'd be focusing purely on Europe, um, because I ju- I just can't I can't look past the fact that they're now fourteen points clear of fifth place. There's twenty one points to play for. The players have got to lose some of that sort of urgency when they know there are sort of potentially bigger things to play for at the end of the league campaign, and they're extremely unlikely to drop out of the. You know, they're going to be playing Champions League football next year. Is it not Conte's job to keep them on it? Yeah, well, it, it is, but again, who would begrudge? You know, Inter haven't won a, t- a trophy for for nearly a decade, and in the end, if this was Mourinho, who again, it would probably set sides up to, to just do the bare minimum if he, if he had a chance to to win this, you know, this this trophy. Why, why would you begrudge him to manage the team now when you're playing every three days and you're going to have this mini tournament? Obviously, they've got... Um, what are we in? Are they still last 32? I can't remember. They played Ludogorets, didn't they? But that was only the first leg. But, but, you know, they've so got they, Getafe in the last 16. They've so not they, played either of the first, last seven. Game, yeah. You know, they've got they've got these games in quick succession. They've got games in the league in quick succession. But then they're not going to drop below fourth. You know, as much as Conte might might drive you know drive it into them to keep going, you probably risk injury with the amount of uh, competitive fixtures they've got, and probably needs to manage that squad now to look at winning a trophy. You were speaking about Verona. Do you want to give them some credit? Well, I think mean, I mean, they've been brilliant all season, considering I tipped them in my. Um, season preview to finish Stone Cold Bottom. Um, just the the energy, the the pass. Obviously, they've got Amrabat in the middle that sort of keeps them ticking over perfectly. They, 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 they play, even against these on-paper superior sides, with uh, a, a sense of no fear. And um, they, they did it again tonight. And it was, you know, they were unfortunate that Andreva, I think one of the goals actually might have been deemed an own goal. I, I miss Marco. Anybody follow yeah. me on Twitter? Yeah. All sorts of nightmares with an online grocery delivery. So I, I missed almost a lot of the action. I missed the first goal because I tuned in too late. I missed both inter goals and just all the Peloso equaliser. Mm-hmm. All that online grocery debacle. I mean, what? How's that? How's that happening? How's what happened? How many mistakes were there with your online grocery delivery? Delivery turned up. We took it in. I miss. 
Oh, as you well, you know me, boys. Um, I noticed that there was a crate of beer missing. They came back. To- <laughs> two baskets of food as well missing that I hadn't <laughs> I hadn't seen and then so then we started ticking stuff off and then realized that there was probably a, a carrier bag full of tinned goods so we phoned them again and then realized when I came back uh Inter had got a second because they'd got the first while I was trying to organize the driver to come back with my second delivery and uh, and then as I sat down and was watching the end of the game realized that they'd not bought a bottle of red wine but there you Did go. you get the wine? Uh, no, I've got it refunded and a, uh, a discount off of my next shop. What's the discount? Is it a percentage? It's a, it's a five pounds. That's, that's not enough, is it? <laughs> that's well, not I, enough. I, I at least got the second half of the delivery in the crate of beer. And, um, you know, it's no hardship to walk around to the shop and get an additional bottle of wine for this weekend. <laughs> it's true. Uh, right, anyway, Roma, they beat Parma and Vito Parma were denied another penalty and I, for the life of me, cannot understand why this one wasn't given. Yeah, it seemed a bit harsh for Parma not to get the penalty and it was probably a bit of a shame too because uh, it wasn't uh, a vintage Roma performance and, uh, you know, Seppe, he actually had a decent game, another decent game as well, so... It, perhaps uh, Parma could have and probably should have put the, at least a point back to Emilia Romagna. But uh, yeah, it's bizarre. You know, I've seen it in the last few rounds, but even throughout the season, there have been times where decisions have gone to VAR. The, this, the vision is clear cut enough to say that it's a penalty, but for some reason, the referees still don't want to change the decision. So I sometimes wonder are these. Referees too stubborn to admit that VAR got it right and they made a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's really it's weird, weird, isn't it? Like it's really weird. With that that Mancini handball, I mean, Kev, if if you were looking for an example of what a handball is, it's probably where a player moves his body towards the ball, then extends his arm deliberately to hit the ball with that. Um, have I not just described what Gianluca Mancini did? Yeah, that's the crucial bit for me. You know, he's extended his arm because he's trying to sort of muscle himself uh, across the, 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 the opposition player. But with that, the ball's come over as quickly as it has. And he he's ended up stopping the player getting the ball with his head by that extended arm. And, you know, if that's not a deliberate move, whether it's to get the ball or move, his way, move himself across the player, but it's, it's, it's impeding the player, it's... It's a penalty, but yeah, the the VAR baffles me. The length of time they take dealing with it sometimes baffles me. Um, you know, there was another decision in Europe tonight um, that VAR and like Vito said, it's it's we we blame VAR or we use the the term VAR, but we've got to remember that there's humans making decisions yeah. on the end of these. So it's still a refereeing mistake, which is what VAR was 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 brought in to allegedly lesson or at least you know stop 100 percent number of yeah uh maybe there's just something with with your Kutska. i mean in both games he had already scored a penalty um he might have some weird clause in his contract where he's not allowed to score two goals in the game so i mean they couldn't give the penalty for legal reasons you know you know just doesn't seem right you know when you get something as clear as that 
you just start asking questions that you don't want to be asking, right? You start thinking things that you don't want to be thinking, wondering why things are happening the way they are when everybody can see that they're wrong. Just, it's a bit unusual. Uh, Napoli beat Genoa, Vito 2-1. Looked like a, a difficult first half for the Parthenon pair, but then they got the breakthrough late on through Jude Martins and went on to extend that excellent run over Genoa. They've not lost to them since 2012. Yeah, another win on the board for Gennaro Gattuso and his men. Um, it was interesting that uh, Mattia Perin, uh, I think he prevented Genoa from being humiliated. He's made some very good saves. Uh, in this game, he did it. And even before against Juventus, he showed that uh, um, it wasn't easy for the big teams to sort of get a result uh, at the Ferraris. And... Um, from a Parteno pay perspective, I think it's uh, pretty good that uh, Lozano's getting on the score sheet because at one stage he had been kicked out by Gattuso from training, that he wasn't meeting Gattuso's requirements. But uh, yeah, in the last few games, he's probably been a decent impact sub. And uh, yeah, what a time to do it. So another win on the board. And I think, uh, OK, maybe the investment on Lozano was a bit hefty, but at least he's starting to make some sort of an impact with the Neapolitan side. Mentioned that Fiorentina drew with Cagliari 0-0. Kev, should a team with Frank Ribery, Gaetano Castrovilli, Patrick Cutrone and Federico Chiesa be struggling to score goals like Fiorentina are this season? Um, no, in short. But I tend to put it down to the what I would class as the Fiorentina effect. Um, what is know, that? Are there any studies behind this? Oh, uh, no, well, just just my eyes. I just found the last couple of years, they, they are, I think I might have said it actually last week or this week, whenever we are. Um, the, Yesterday. The, they offer so much but deliver so little. And I, this must have been playing at the same time as another game. I decided I wasn't even going to record it to watch later. And I decided not even to watch the highlights when I saw it was nil-nil. Um, they will just keep on, I was going to say underperforming, but just They are more. bad though, aren't they? Like, they are really bad. Yeah, you know, they're on 35 points. So I'd actually like quite like them to, to, to be dragged into a relegation battle because it might spark them into life and maybe... Um, a few other players, you know, because maybe that's maybe that's it. You bring uh, Ribery in, and, and too many people look to him to to solve their problems. Um, you know, countless times in the last few seasons, I've heard Fiorentina fans, some formerly of this parish, uh, you know, talking up players that they brought in. You know, how good Boateng's going to be, uh, you know, and other players. Not necessarily really. They've not made massive outlays on on huge players and then they kind of just wither and disappear off into you know a different league and another club hello Vieri hmm. I know, I, <laughs> he got mentioned recently as well on this didn't he um, interesting but it's it's really frustrating I mean I, I tend to dread watching Fiorentina I mean going to Florence is quite nice the Frankie's quite nice stadium the pre-match song is fun but then the football starts and you just wish you could go home and you start looking at train times and wondering what time it is 
that you're going to get in the door that night. And sometimes it's an ungodly hour, like four or five in the morning, and it just makes you reevaluate your life decisions. So makes you realize it's not worth the visit. No, exactly, exactly. But the the Fiorentina thing, we expected this last year because last year they did get dragged into it. They ended up surviving on the last day, I think, with a draw against Genoa, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they just they haven't woken up. There's all this false promise when Rocco comes in and they, they sign Ribery, they sign Prince, and Kutronic comes in what January. It doesn't work. And they, they get all excited about Gaetano Castrovilli, who, fair enough, talented player. But if he was anywhere near as good as they say he is, I don't think they'd be in this bother. And it's they're maddening, absolutely maddening. Um, Sassuolo be Bologna 2-1. Vito, Sassuolo still very much the rulers of Emilia-Romagna. Yeah, um, just seemed that uh, Bologna beating Inter a few days ago was probably one of those uh, rare moments of joy for them. But uh, Sassuolo, um, they're sticking to their guns. Uh, focusing on their strengths, and their strengths are obviously in being attack-minded, and uh, they were rewarded. Not only that, uh, uh, Berardi scored a nice goal to open the scoring, and uh, he's someone that's definitely provided more than his share of highlights throughout his career so far. Stay with you for the next one, Brescia. Um, it's done. I know we keep saying it, but it's done. They lost to Torino this time, who are another relegation-threatened side, or at least they were until this game. Not safe by any means, but it's a big win. Brescia took the lead, but as they so like to do lately, they threw it away and lost 3-1. Yes, and uh, yeah, I thought this was one of those kind of games where you think, do does anyone really deserve to win? But uh, I think Torino really just showed that on paper they do have a superior squad to the Rondinelli. Uh, Torre Grossa scored a decent goal. Uh, it was a nice chip over City goal, but the defending could have been better. And uh, I don't mind Torre Grossa as a player, but I can't help but feel that he's very awkward in his movement. So even if times he's out of effective, there's just something about him that, you know, something could go wrong at any moment. But uh, putting that aside, um, Torino, like I said, they've got more technical players and uh, Simone Verdi proved to be the decisive one. Um, he probably should have scored twice in the first half. He hit the woodwork with one effort. Jesse Yoronen, who I think has been one of Brescia's bright spots this season, made a save from him. And then uh, the goals, the Matteo goal and the Belotti one, uh, they were largely due to Verdi's influence in the game. And then... Simone Zaza, Italy's uh, court jester or clown from Euro 2016, uh, scored the sealer. Ah, leave him alone. I like Zaza. <laughs> I uh, actually do too, but that moment's still funny. And yeah, it still scars me a little bit, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, what do we make of Verdi? Because uh, as you said, he's he is a candidate for our team of the week this this week, and he was with. Bologna, he had the chance to move to Napoli, didn't care, but then he did, like six months later, I can't remember, a year later, and didn't quite work, now he's back at Torino, is this just the level he is? I'd, I'd like to think he can perform sort of within that block of teams that are just underneath the European places, because 
we we could put Torino in that category, but at the moment they're you know they're they're hovering above relegation. I think it, I think it, it you can you can potentially put it down to that move to Napoli that he either did it at the wrong time or he shouldn't have gone at all. Um, because Bologna had a bit of a surge, although it, it took a, a few arrivals um, midway through last season for them to sort of kick on. But he was doing so well there, and it, it's a it's a fate that befalls plenty of players that that believe they, you know, they may be better than they are, or that you know the grass is greener elsewhere. Whether that's financially playing with better players, and sometimes your best sort of seeing what you can get out of where you are if you're in a bit of a, a purple patch with your form. You're getting better with your words, so I'll stick with you. Spal lost 3-0 to the Mazen. <laughs> what about Spal are gone and Udinese is sadly uh, have, have gone on this this run of form of late. To, Who um, told you that was going to happen? Well, yeah, I was kind of, but but at least they're they're performing slightly better. They, you know, tonight there was the um, the breakaway for the third goal. You know, with Spal, you know, just trying to get something out, and and off they went. At least they're showing a little bit more attacking impetus than the. Well, Kev, they do it every year. It's not it's not going to last. We there's a new Danese fan, Sonia Messio, who we all know. Um, you've met her as well, actually, Kev. I believe she. We were on the same weekend trip that time, first time we met um, she tweeted recently that Udinese wouldn't be that bad at football if football didn't require you to score goals and what's the point what hmm. is the point in that well it was a few weeks ago I think and it was against Torino then they won 1-0 or they lost 1-0 but they nearly tipped me over the edge um, <laughs> but it, at least they're showing uh well, more more desire, if anything else, if not technical aptitude or goal scoring ability, even though they kind of hit three. Well, tonight. they have won three times since the restart. They've won three of their two of their last three. Um, next up, Sampdoria. Vita, you a little bit nervous? Well, out of all the games, this is probably one game that makes me the least nervous, even though the game's in Udine. Uh, I do like Juan Musso and Rodrigo De Paul as players. Uh, I liked Stefano Okaka when he was at Samp. But uh, uh, Udinese in general, don't have much of a squad there. And, uh, yeah, it's like you were saying earlier, that uh, Udinese do have these late runs in recent years where they look like they're going to drop and then they just pull away. But uh, I think it's a matter of just having the right mindset and the right spirit. And uh, if Quayarella can come off the bench and make a quick 15, 20-minute cameo, chipping with a few goals, uh, this is probably one away trip where I can see Sump getting at least a point uh, for the remainder of this season because the only other time would be Brescia on the last uh, game day. You must be a nervous cat about Qualiarella's return because, as we know, he gets older with age. And he didn't expect this season to be playing while he was this old. So he's going to score a hat-trick in every game, isn't he? He'd he have to for you boys not to... <laughs> no, but we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out on a goals-to-game basis because we didn't expect him to be injured. So... Even at his age... 
Yeah. I, to be fair, I still think you're safe. I don't think he's anywhere near the figures I was tell, saying he's going to get. Um, we, well, we missed my game last week, guys. So we're not oh. missing it this time. Regular listeners may not remember, which says more about the quality of the game than anything else. And I don't begrudge you that. But we have a game where I have a, a mystery footballer on a, on a card or a sticker. It's a Serie A player, current. And the boys get to ask yes or no questions. And if the answer is yes, that person continues. If the answer is no, it changes to the other person to the point where they then try and guess who the player is. And if they guess the player, they get a point. I mean, it's, it's quite simple, right? So, are you guys ready? Yes. You're right. Let me yeah. a little bit. Come on. Come on. Give it give yes. us some more. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yeah. Good. Right. So here is this first sticker. As you can see, it's number 20 in the album. Uh, Kev, you can start because you're um, old. Uh, is it an Atalanta player? Nope. Vito, it's your turn. Okay, is this uh, player a defender? He is a defender, yes. Number 20. Number 20 is his position in the book. It's not necessarily a squad number. Okay. All right. Does he play for... Any of the teams in a European spot at the moment? He does not play for a team in a European spot at the moment. Kev, you're smiling. It's your turn. I think I know why you might be smiling. Does he play for AC Milan? He does not play for AC Milan. Vito, back to you, Kev. I can't believe that. He's a defender, player at a club... No non-European spot. Do 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 do. Okay, is this player Italian? He is not Italian. Kev, it's your turn, please. Is the player Portuguese? Um, the player is Portuguese. Yes. Is the player? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> Portuguese defender, not in a European position at the moment. It, yeah, is it Bruno Alves? Yeah, it's Bruno Alves. Obviously, anyone who knows this game knows it's Bruno Alves. So that was a joke to, to reintroduce the listeners to the game. We do, of course, have the, the real player here. That was just to get you guys back in the in the rhythm of things, okay? It's a card. It's not a sticker this time. Have I just shown you who that is? No. As you can see, Calciatori. Um the brand so Kev you can you can go first in the in the real game oh um uh is it a defender no it's not a defender okay is this player a foreign player he is not a foreign player Kev come on a bit of a bit of Bit of oh, speed about so, this one, yeah. I thought it was Vito again. <laughs> uh, no, have they won the Scudetto? No, no. 
They have not won the Scudetto. Okay. You guys are bad at this, you know. Is this is this player in a team that's in the European spots? He's not in a team that's in the European spots. Kev? Um, are they a striker? They are not a striker. Vito. It's a mid- All right. Mid Italian midfielder. Uh, not in a. Ooh, damn. It's a toughie. Uh, the clues a... so far are not a defender, not a striker, not in Europe, and he has never won the Scudetto. Okay. Damn. This is good. Okay. All right. Let's try to narrow it down. Ooh. All right. I'm not. Okay, does this player play for Bologna? He does not play for Bologna, no. Kev, over to you. Does this player play for Verona? He does not play for Verona. Okay, um, is this player from a club in northern Italy? He is from a club in northern Italy. I think that's the first question I've said yes to, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Doria. Okay, is this player from a club in Emilia Romagna? He is from a club in Emilia Romagna. Alright, so right, so I guess. Is this player a Sassuolo player? He's not a Sassuolo player. So Kev, the clues again, just to help you out. He's not a defender, not a striker. He's not in a European place. He hasn't won the Scudetto. He is foreign. He doesn't play for Verona. He plays in Emilia Romagna, but not for Bologna or Sassuolo. You say he is foreign. He is foreign. Oh, okay. yeah, but oh I, sorry, he's not. He's not foreign. He's not foreign. He's not foreign. Oh, sorry, I asked. Yeah. So he plays for Parma. Spal also play in Emilia Romagna. So, oh. are you asking me or telling me? Uh, does he play for Parma? He does play for Parma. Yes. Okay. And is it Luigi Seppe? Oh. It is not Luigi Zappa. No, I'm joking. It, it is big Luigi Zappa. Congratulations. I, because I couldn't think of any Palmer Italian builders, <laughs> so I just went for the goalkeeper. No, you did well, though. You did well because Vito immediately neglected the goalkeepers because when he realised it wasn't a striker or a defender, he said, OK, so it has to be a midfielder. And I was thinking, oh, no, yeah, don't go down that path. But, yeah, good job. Good job, Kev. Um, I know you love this game. It's not going anywhere because no, it's probably not going on the podcast either. <laughs> it's, it's going on the podcast. We need those minutes, but it's it's not going anywhere. And I'll tell you why. Absolutely no planning involved on my part, and I mean we're gonna run out of stuff to say, aren't we? Anyway, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, Bye, Connor. Bye, che batte ma nessuno lo sente però ti assicuro un giallo rosso è per sempre a due passi dal mare la domenica sarà nel segno del lecce che vincerà 
Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.